Welcome back, guys, to the Root of the Logos podcast. My name is Brad. I'm joined by Austin. I was trying to think of something and just wasn't going to Hey, guys, happen. I'm here. But joined by Austin. Uh, similar to Tuesday, Carter has some family in town, so he is going to spend some time with them. We said that wasn't okay, but he did it anyway. And uh, We did not give okay, him permission. We did not give him permission. So we'll we'll deal with the church discipline aspect of that later. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Totally kidding. Oh, we. Mm, I was drinking the water. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding, though. He's spending time with family who's in town, and we're excited that he gets that time with his with his grandparents. So, uh, so it's just me and Austin again today discussing uh, our next topic. But before we do, before we get into it, I have a couple of housekeeping items, like I typically do. Want to give a shout out to our, our guy Nathan. He wrote us a pretty cool email. He said, "I saw your podcast pop up on my Spotify about a month or so ago." But it wasn't until I was looking for a commentary to help me prep Bible study this week that I finally took a listen. We just started going through Romans 1, so I listened through Romans, so I listened to your chapter 1 podcast, and listening to you guys has taught me a lot. It helped me share more with my group than I otherwise would have. Thank you for all your work. It teaches me and challenges me on my journey. I plan to make your podcast a regular listen. So Nathan, thank you so much for your support. That is awesome. That I mean, really, that last little part of your email is why we do this. I mean, obviously we're doing it for God's glory, but we want to teach and we want to challenge. Yeah. And well, and we want to be a tool. And we want, we to, want be to be a tool, a tool exactly. that you can use for that. So yeah, no, thank you for yeah, using so, us for that. <laughs> so we responded and just asked him where he was from. He is listening in Bingham Lake, Minnesota. Minnesota. So uh, that's pretty cool. So Nathan, yeah. thank you. If you're listening to this episode, thank you so much. Uh, we really do appreciate it. He did ask us a question, uh, a topic. Why he said I've seen some translations of the Bible that have more verses than others, and on top of that, so like why is that? And on top of that, talk about different translations. We actually did that in a previous episode. Um, I'm gonna look real quick which episode that was because, by the way, this is episode 20. Oh wow, this is kind of a big one, right? That's cool. Huh. The, the 20th episode we've been on for two decades now. <laughs> right. Wait, no, that's not that's not how that's it works. Not- <laughs> Um, of a different color. Yeah. So, but episode twenty. So again, thank you guys for letting us get to this point. I am not sure. I thought we would get to twenty episodes, but here we are. I wasn't even thinking past twenty episodes. Right. And now I'm sitting here thinking of like episode hundred. What are we gonna do? We're gonna celebrate, right? No, 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 no. no. Episode a thousand. Oh, okay. Gosh. <laughs> um. So episode five, which was released on May 18th, we discussed studying the Bible. And so we talked and talked about scripture, uh, how the Bible was written, and the different translations. So, and then uh, in the description, I actually have a list of verses that the NIV omitted from scripture. And so, so Nathan, if you are listening to this episode, thank you so much for again for your feedback. Um, but episode five is the one in question for that topic. And if we, if that leads to more questions, feel free to ask us. Um, also, want to shout out. Also want to shout out uh, Jay. He gave us a, a new review. I'm going to use his first initial just to keep him keep him anonymous. But uh, he gave us a review on Apple. He says, I grew up with Brad. Haven't seen him in a while. Heard about this podcast from mutual friends. All the guys involved in this podcast seem knowledgeable, solid in the word, solid in theology. And they want to serve the Lord and spread the gospel, make him known. I listen to a ton of different podcasts and can honestly say this is truly awesome stuff, guys. Keep up the great work. So thank you, Jay. Honestly, like I don't want these reviews just simply to pat us on the back or anything. That's no. not what this is for. But it is encouraging just to hear the feedback saying that we are doing 
<laughs> maybe we're doing something right here. Yeah, like yeah. maybe we're not just speaking into the ether and yeah. you know, and nothing's going through. But encouragement is nice. Encouragement <laughs> is nice. So honestly, Jay, thank you so much. That that really does mean a lot to us, and and it does help with with the ratings and whatnot on Apple. We're uh, we're we're actually gaining getting more reviews. Uh, we have three on the written side, but we're we're getting up there on the just the sheer number of, of star reviews. So thank you guys so much. Sweet. Um, continue to do that. We we love hearing feedback and constructive criticism. Give us constructive criticism. Maybe not on Apple. Just you know, but like <laughs> in an email, social media, whatever. But seriously <laughs> though, if we say anything that that is controversial or upsetting. And you want some clarification? Feel free to get back to us. We would love to dig into that more, whether it's privately through a, uh, an email or a private message, or whether it's on on an actual episode. We absolutely want to make sure we are staying faithful to the word. Yes. And if there are issues where you think we're not, we would love to discuss it. You know, and and try to hammer it out, and just maybe we maybe we get something wrong. I mean, yeah. it won't happen often because we're kind of... I'm totally oh, kidding. Oh, wow. Totally oh, kidding. Don't, don't, totally kidding. Oh, God, please, no. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, though, we, yeah. we, we love the feedback. Encouragement, constructive criticisms. Um, we just relish every every chance to interact with, with people who listen. So Definitely. Uh, thank you, guys. And so this week, Thursday, what what is what is today going to be? Thursday, July... Well, well no, it'll come so, out... <clears throat> Thursday, July 8th. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thursday, July 8th. We're going to start on the topic of biblical manhood. Ooh. Um, uh, Carter wanted to kind of start diving into this, and, and he'll be he'll be back with us next week, but we're going to take today and, and kind of give an overview introduction of, of what we're going to talk about for the next couple of weeks, most likely. And Austin is... At, <laughs> we were talking before we started recording... I was saying, you know, Thursdays I like to have a conversation and just kind of discuss a specific topic, maybe not necessarily a specific chapter or verse, but talk about a topic and and just discuss and and have a conversation. And when when I know that a topic we're going to talk about is in someone's wheelhouse, I let them take, I want them to take the lead. And so this is Austin's wheelhouse. He is chomping at the bit for for this topic. (laughs) So he is going to, you're going to hear a lot from Austin today. In the next couple of weeks, and Carter and I will jump in as we have something productive to say, or maybe just to lighten the lighten it up a little bit That's, here and yeah, there. We're gonna need it because <laughs> uh, I get uncomfortable with serious topics for a long period of time. <laughs> no, <laughs> but uh, so I mean, no introduction needed. Let's dive into it. Yeah. Biblical manhood. What does it look like? Where are we going? Just give us a give us an overview. Let's let's get started. Yeah, and and, and again, Thursdays it's a conversation piece. Uh, we're going to be using scripture, uh, a lot of scripture, but we we are looking at biblical manhood, and this is this is a very very big topic. Okay, this is not a, a one or maybe two episode piece. This is going to probably be about four, maybe five. And for for the women, don't skip over this. Okay, this this is important for you too, women that that you haven't quite found that spouse yet. You haven't found your husband. You're looking for your husband. This will help you into what to look for. And because women, you are looking for that spiritual leader, someone that will lead you through scripture, someone that will, will, will be that position for you. And, and I, I think it will help tremendously for that. And, and even this will help 
as men are supposed to take their role as the spiritual leader of the house, as that biblical man, for the women to help you guys help us. Hold, hold us accountable. Yeah, and, so, and that's the point. Yeah, those who, those who are married can look and see, okay, in our marriage, what is this being displayed th- through in our marriage? And, and can help hold each other accountable to these diff- th- these roles yes. that are laid out in Scripture. And for those who are, for, for the women who are single, obviously, like Austin said, looking for these characteristics in a, in a husband, in a, a potential husband. Yeah. And then for people like me who are single and are perpetually single, what do we need to strive for? Yeah. And what do we need to be doing if marriage is on the table? Any, and honestly, if marriage isn't on the table, what do we need to be doing as men? Yes. Um, because I do think even those of us who are single, like myself and, and Carter obviously being being younger, but what is our role as men without a spouse, without a family to lead at the yes. moment? So I, I think it'll be beneficial for all involved. So women don't check out. Single men don't check out. Kids don't check out. Yes. Like, this is good stuff. This is going to be stuff that's going to be helpful for everybody and applicable for everybody. Everybody. So, so this episode, we're, we're going to give context. We're going to give background. We're going to give structure into what we are going into, biblical manhood. And uh, yeah, let's go into it. So starting out with scripture all the time, scripture, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Uh, as a warning, we're going to be going through a couple things that you're going to be like, why are we talking about this when we're supposed to be talking about biblical manhood? Well, all this plays into biblical manhood. Um, again, it is a infrastructure. A lot of this, I, I listened to a lot of Paul Washer, just this very godly man, and his understanding of scripture is impeccable. So a lot of this I'm getting from Paul Washer because th- this is not just Purely my understanding of, of scripture, because I am not quite there yet. So, th- throughout Proverbs, uh, there are terms that indicate the same person. Um, looking, again, reading through Proverbs, it talks about fools, it talks about simpletons, it talks about the youth. It is referring to, to children. It is referring to uh, the younger who are without wisdom. And it, this is not a, a bash on, on the younger it is just a fact. When we are born, we are not born with wisdom. Wisdom is acquired. Uh, in, in James, it refers to, if you pray for wisdom, God will give it to you liberally. And w- again, wisdom is brought through, through trials. It is brought through time. It is brought by actually undergoing yeah, things. Through life experience. Life experience. And, and exactly. just learning from your mistakes and learning from, I mean, from a if you take it not from a biblical perspective for a second, just look at it just on a human level, having those experiences in finances, in marriage, in, in school, being able to go back and teach teach your kids or, or teach young people, hey, I did this, I screwed this up, don't do that. That's yeah. part of wisdom. Yeah. And then you look at it biblically, of course, the wisdom of fearing God and, and, and having it all in reverence for Him and obeying His Word. So yeah, absolutely. Wisdom... It comes with age, and not your kids are not born with it. Yes, and no. and the and the the cool part of that too is again looking at scripture, asking for wisdom. God will give it to you. 
me, I'm, I'm a young guy. I have a young family. And knowing that a- as I get older, as I go through these things, God will grant me more wisdom. But I can ask for wisdom now, and He will give it to me. And He says that. it's a, He will give it to me liberally. So I ask for it every day, as we all need to be. So when they're referencing children as, as fools or foolish, uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. I mean, what happens when you get a a, bun- a group of little boys together, right? <laughs> yeah. they're, they're foolish. They are. They they act crazy. I mean, I was, I was there. Brad was there. We yeah. we know. We act like fools. We are foolish. Gosh, so, <laughs> yeah. I don't <laughs> I'm just sitting thinking some stories. I'm like, man, that was woo. Who was that guy? <laughs> oh gosh, thank you, Lord, for growing up. Yeah. So scripture indicates. That if you are young, you do not have wisdom. Wisdom is something that comes with age or asking for it. If we are to look at like basically past native tribes, um, either throughout America or like even South America everywhere, you would not see boys playing or hanging out around other boys. They were with men. Now, why was that? Because when young boys are together and by themselves, they act foolish. It promotes foolishness. Basically, a fool and a fool doesn't equal a wise man. And so these tribes would divvy these children up amongst the men of the tribes, and they would teach them. Because they knew, you get this group of of boys together, just mischief happens. But you give them structure with these men. You teach them how to be men. You get rid of that foolishness. So... A whole group of boys equals a foolish mess, basically. So why are we keeping the youth together today and having youth teach youth, basically? Uh, warning, this is going to be stepping on toes. Um, looking at even the church. Why are, why are we keeping all of the children together in a giant group? And why are we even at some points having these teenagers teaching the younger children, having the youth teach the youth. Again, going through scripture, what, what, is, what is it saying? It's, again, using the proper term of words when scripture talks about fools in, in Proverbs, it's someone who's naive. It's not talking about the foolishness of today when, when you look and say, oh, yeah, he's a fool Again, word usage back then versus today is very important distinction. So, so why are we keeping the youth together and having the youth teach the youth? It's that mentality of you're having too many kids together. What happens? So, I'm looking at church. Uh, this may step on toes, but again, bear with me. We're filling classrooms with children ages four and up. We're we're having these this these groups of young young children being taught by children now and and that could i that that age range differs you know you have 16 17 18 whatever there there comes a point where yes that's okay but i i'm looking at having young teens teaching our young children these biblical concepts now yes you you may have these teens that their knowledge their knowledge is tremendous but i want to look at what we need as a church. I want to look at what we need as men. And I want to look at the older men. Okay? So, 
when you reach teen years, you are you're put with other teens, right? As you go through children's church, and then you get into youth group, and more than likely, you went this whole time without being taught by a godly man. Now, women, please don't take offense to this. Uh, as you you go through children's church, you, you have women teaching, and again, that's biblical: women teaching children, women teaching other other women. But at any point through your church experience, did you ever have an older godly man, a, God forbid, a, an elder in there teaching you guys? And uh, our o- church, oddly enough, growing up, I did. And the, it's it, rare. It, it's um, and I think those of us that are that grew up in the same church, the church I'm at now, I grew up with a lot of the same people going to a different church together mm-hmm. as kids and going through youth group. And we did, we had, I'm thinking of Ray just who was our Sunday school teacher for years. And he was, he was, he was a godly man teaching us and, and, and pouring into our lives. And it wasn't necessarily youth group proper, right? Like you have on Wednesday night, the Wednesday night activities, whatever, but yeah. it was Sunday morning after the service, we broke up into our age groups and men and women and, and whatnot. And, we had we had Ray for for years that just poured into us as, as a godly man. I, I, and I could be wrong about this. I, I I don't remember for sure. He honestly may have been an elder of the church at the time. Yeah, I, I can't fully remember that, so I may be wrong. So don't quote me on that. Yeah. But I mean, he was he he really did pour into us for for years. Yeah, and and again, that's rare. We and especially nowadays, we don't see that. And which is awesome. The the church we go to, we have we haven't. And elders doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I my little girls, they're being taught by one of the elders, the men in our church, and I love it. That is biblical. So uh, moving on. Yeah. So so why we have been warped by unbiblical principles, and it is because the church is influenced more by the culture than the culture is by the church. We're at the point where we are building churches around the culture instead of building the church around scripture, <laughs> building around scripture so that we can stand against the culture. Yeah. And one of the things is, especially now when you are building a church, when you're trying to figure out what to do, people go out in the community and they're asking the community, what would you like to see in a church? And then it becomes just this unbeliever friendly church. And that is not what we're supposed to be doing. We're standing on Scripture so that it can stand against the culture. So, I, I want to dive in a little bit to a generational gap. Okay, why? What is it? It started in the 50s, right? Mar- the Marlon Brando, the James Dean type figures. Um, it was, it's this conflict between the younger and the older generation. Fast forward to today, the media, movies, you can see the conflict to where how the parents, and more importantly, the father, is just this foolish, stupid idiot that has no clue, and the children are teaching them. And we see that in all, all kinds of sitcoms. It's this mentality of the father's just this bumbling... The Homer Simpson. Yeah. The, the, the father is the Homer Simpson. Yes, and that's it. it the, 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 I, I've never watched it. I was never allowed to watch it be- because of that. Yeah. And it's that mentality of, yeah, the, the dad's just this bumbling idiot. The the mom's there, cool, whatever. But the kids, the kids are going to be teaching and ruling over all of them. 
And and that is such a, a dangerous... Here in America, piggybacking off of that spiritual warfare, how here it is very subtle. And we've seen that through media. We've seen that through movies, how that subtlety creeps in uh, through The Simpsons. Uh, with me hitting home towards, you know, letting my, my girls watch all these Disney movies. What's the main concept with these Disney movies? It is the parents or the father is wrong. The, the, the daughter rebels. And at the end of the movie, turns out she was right. She rebels against her parents. She dishonors her parents. She goes her own way. Turns out her way was the right way. And her parents were just these idiots that didn't know what they were talking about. It's a subtlety. That's, that's Satan. He has crept into our homes. He has crept into, again, that nuclear family mentality, that God, yeah. that God has ordained family. Uh, man is the head, the wife is the helpmate, and then the children. And Satan has been infecting that mentality from the beginning. Yeah. It's becoming a lot less subtle here, here in America, the, the degradation of the family and the deterioration of the family values. You see that was seen, we, we we talked about this pretty extensively last week that just the the lack of fathers in the home and and the amount the staggering amount of single mother households of of people who just don't know their dad and incentivizing having kids out of wedlock and just this idea of of free love and and do whatever you want with whomever you want don't worry about, don't worry about the consequences don't worry about the effect that that has on your children. I mean, yeah. what's the number one predictor of crime and poverty? Not having a father. Not having a father. Yeah. A strong father. Not having a strong father. Yes. Yes. I mean, you know, they may have a, a biological dad. Well, I'm just going to come out and say it. You, a lot of weak men. And, and that's why we're going through this. Because we have too many weak and yeah. spineless men. And that is contrary to scripture. As men, we are supposed to be strong we are bred for war, yeah, which I, I will be getting into that a little bit later. <laughs> well, which is why this, I think this is a great transition topic, you know, to transition into this from spiritual warfare. Yeah. Because as men, how do we do that? What is our role? And again, it's, it's seeing that complete reversal of roles. You know, at, in the garden, we saw that Adam was stepping out of his role. Eve took his role. And nowadays it's complete reversal of the the husband and the wife the father and the mother are completely out of that authority role and now it's the children right the children are in charge the children know best so let's go to isaiah isaiah chapter 3 verses 4 through 5 and i will make boys their princes and infants shall rule over them and the people will oppress one another every one his fellow and every one his neighbor the youth will be insolent to the elder and the despised to the honorable Verse 12, my people, infants are their oppressors, and women rule over them. Oh, my people, your guides mislead you, and they have swallowed up the course of your paths. Again, this is, this is Isaiah. This is the judgment on Judah and, and Jerusalem, but infants, infants shall rule over them. And, and again, I, I, I've never watched The Simpsons, but that, that's what I think of. Yeah. And the complete, complete reversal of our rules. Now we have this age of where almost every form of authority has kicked God out of them. Government, federal, state, local, schools, 
We are placing our children in these places run by non-believers, while both the mother and father are chasing the American dream. Now, let me caveat that. I'm, I'm not saying that it is sinful and evil for women to work. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But it's, it's this thought process of, okay, men and women, we go off to work, we, we give our children to the public school system. Our public school system is run by non-believers, by ungodly people that are completely wanting God out of this, the whole situation. It, it, it's a cesspool. I yeah. mean, it's awful. It's yeah. awful right now. And it's, it's basically, we're giving our children over to Caesar and not expecting them to belong to Caesar. Right. And the, these children are going through this, getting all this influence from this worldly standpoint. Indoctrinated. Indoctrinated. I mean, it, I mean, it is full-on government indoctrination at this point. It, it is. And it is going to get so much worse, because we know the end of the book. We know it's going to get worse. And again, I'm, I'm not calling these parents that they, they have no other choice. That is all they can do. I'm not telling you guys you're evil or sinful. I, I, I do. I understand that, that that is all you can do. But this is a warning. And, and that just means you have to be that much more diligent in teaching your kids, in leading your kids through scripture and, and getting them rooted, getting them to have a strong foundation. Yes, like Austin said, you there are people you don't have a choice. Like it, it it this is what has to happen in order to make ends meet, to provide for your family. That is okay. There's that is biblically mandated to provide for your family and to take care of your children. But it, physically their physical needs. But in the same breath, take care of their spiritual needs as well. And so if you have to send your kids into public school, which I would personally Again, I don't have kids, but uh, I would argue that we need to try everything in our power to keep them from government schools right now yes. and, and do your best. But if you can't, it, it's okay. But you have to be that much more diligent in leading your child, men, leading your kids spiritually, getting them into the Word, getting them a foundation that when they're attacked in kindergarten, their biblical beliefs are attacked. They have at least an idea of, no, no, wait, this isn't what dad says, or this isn't what mom says. This isn't what the Bible says. Yes. It, it, they're getting taught. I'm just going to, young kids, close your ears for a second. <laughs> they're getting taught about sexual sexual things at, in kindergarten. Yeah. Self-pleasure in kindergarten. Well, it, it's happening, not, and, and you have we have got to fight that. We have to fight that. Yeah, they're these little children again. What what does Proverbs refer to the youth? Uh, they're foolish. They don't know this. They're naive, and you're sending them into the school that's telling them, "Oh, you can choose between twenty eight different genders." Are and you it's, kidding? And it's okay to do this, that, and the other with yourself or with other people just to explore things. It's okay. No, it's healthy. That's what they're saying. Yeah, that's what, that's yeah. What, they're being taught that. As early as kindergarten in some of these public schools, we have to be, pay attention to what they're being taught, fight against what they're being taught, and if if possible, take them get out. Them out. That. Yes. Get them out. Get them out. And so with that, it, they are hearing this from, from schools. They're hearing this from the culture. And our children, they're watching shows, they're watching movies, they're watching TV of a depraved culture, like we refer to in, in Romans chapter 1. This culture has been given up to a depraved mind. It has. Because they have kicked God out of everything. And God said, okay, 
okay, th- this is on you now. Yeah. You, you asked for it, you got it. You got it, yeah. <laughs> and so we wonder why our culture keeps getting worse. It's because the children, of course they're going to get worse. They're going to be worse than the parents. And we need to be akin to that. We need to be watching that very specifically. So this is something we, us, I'm referring to all of us, myself, I, I have young children. All of us, you, me, Christians, need to fight against watching what we are putting our children in and the influences that they are being subject to and being desensitized to. We have rendered control of our children to Caesar, and now they are controlled by Caesar, and we are wondering why. And, and as we move forward in this topic the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about our role in combating this and, and how, it, again, it does go hand in hand with spiritual warfare. How do we fight this? How do we as men lead our families through this? Through this, And how do, how do women help the men lead through this? And, how, yes. and what, are, what do we do to combat this? Because there is a war for our children right now. Mm-hmm. Going back to that, that generational gap, why? The men who went through the Depression, they went through World War II. When they returned and began to have families and children, they, they disappeared. And, and not, not as they had children and then they just left them. It's that through striving to give their children what they never had, through the Depression, they were starving. Then World War II hit. They went to fight evil. And then they came back and they started having families and children. And it was that mentality of, I'm going to give my children what I never had. I'm going to make sure they don't starve. I'm going to make sure they have clothes. I'm going to make sure they have shoes. I'm going to make sure they they have a wonderful life. But in that, we lost our fathers. They went too far in that direction. They went too far in yeah. that direction. And that mentality, it, and we'll get into it more, of that physical side, that giving them things versus giving them your time. And biblically, that is it is biblical. So they were working to give their children what they never have and what, basically what they didn't grow up with. They also lost their mothers. The women during World War II worked in factories building for the war effort. But when the war ended, they went back to work and didn't come home. And, and again, not, <laughs> I'm not putting a dig on working women. This is not it. It, it's just giving a little bit of reference to what was going on. Yeah, during World War II, the men went out to war. Who was left? The women. So they had to go in the factories building bombs, building tanks, building airplanes. Once the war was over, the men came back. That extra income coming out of the Depression was unheard of. So now you're able to have the men going to work and the women going to work. And that that double income, again, was unheard of. And it was that prosperity in America that has never been seen before. And why would you give that up? So they, they didn't. And and I know, Austin, you and I both aren't, and we've said this multiple times, we're not saying women don't work, period. Yes. I think it goes back to what I mentioned a minute ago. If, if you don't have a choice other than to put your kids in a public school, that's, that, there's not, that's okay. It just means you have to work extra hard. At, at, at the spiritual side of your family. I think it ends up being the same thing with, with mothers who, who work. It's That is fine, and that is, that is okay, that is valid, but you, it just means there's a little more focus. You have, to, you have to focus more on the spiritual stuff. You have to put extra effort into that spiritual side of things, so that way you're not 
working at detriment to the spiritual side of your family. Yes. Does that make sense? Definitely. So you just have to fo- you have to shed a spotlight on it just a little bit more and, and put a l- little more awareness. Right. Well, and it goes to you have to weigh the consequences. Right. If you, you making that extra income is more important than your children, and and I, I say that with with love, I do. If you are not putting the time and effort into your children with the spiritual teachings, with the word that you should be doing, you will see that effect in their later life. And and again, it is just to get you thinking on that mindset. So the men came back from war, they went to work providing for what they never what they never had for their children. The women, they went back to work. And they put their children into that public school system, into being raised by an anti-Christian government and school system. And back then, it wasn't as pronounced, but Satan got a hold of it, and he has twisted it and manipulated it into what we see today. And again, like we were talking about, teaching our kindergartners evil, literally teaching them evil. So... Referencing Proverbs 13.20, we have to be raised by wise men. This is talking about wise men. This is not just talking about wisdom as you get older. It refers to the importance of men. Okay, Throughout Scripture, God has given the authority to lead to men, not to women. In the beginning, when God created Adam, then he created Eve. Why? Because there were no animals that were that met the specifications to help Adam. So God created Eve as a helpmate to help him in his leadership, to help him in his authority, as he would rule over the earth, as he had dominion over the earth. Eve was to help him with that, not to supersede him, not to take his role, but to help him. Ever since we were little, we have been thrown into a group of a collective fools. Someone who is naive. Uh, again, going back to the church, uh, going into this children's church, okay, uh, going into this Sunday school, we're being thrown into this group of same age children. And it's that mentality of, oh, well, if you just put all these kids together, they'll be fine. No, there, there has to be structure. And again, not saying that, there isn't structure in there, but again... Just for my clarification purposes, what I think I hear you saying is, in, in a setting like Children's Church, it is not necessarily the best idea to have youth in that teaching role. They can help, and they are in there to be an influence, a good influence, to maybe help shore up some understanding, but that the men of the church should be teaching the kids. The, the godly men and women of the church should be teaching the kids, the ones who are wise, the ones who have the biblical knowledge, the fear of God, that should be who's in the role of, of, of the children. And that the teenagers su- supplement, they help. Yes. So it's that, that Paul-Timothy mentality of, as, as a Christian, as a believer, I should always strive to have a Paul in my life that is pouring into me, and then I should also always strive to have a Timothy in my life that I'm pouring into. Yes, and so where these the, the youth that are helping with the children's church, they have that Paul above them leading the leading the charge, pouring into them, 
and then they in turn pour into the kids and and can help again shore up some of that understanding and and be that influence and that example and that someone they can look up to yes not and, as the sole teacher i think yes. is really what you're getting at and, and and yes it it's that mentality of children teaching children and and again i'm not saying your 16 year old boy is a, a child but but in effect yes it, they are not yet a man and having these teenagers in these classes teaching not not helping but teaching that that is wrong that is not scriptural it is talking about men there has to be godly men and preferably elders of the church that are teaching these children and that is for the 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 teens to be able to come in and again it's that teaching tool that the the wise man has saying all right i'm teaching these children i'm going to help teach you to teach these children and it is not putting that weight on these teenagers because again what does scripture say those who teach will be held at a higher responsibility we will incur harsher judgment and that is unfair to put on these teenagers. You are placing them in these roles, or they're wanting to be in these roles, which is good. They have that desire. They have that aspiration, which is good. That's biblical. But they need to be taught that, look, when you are in this role, you are going to incur a harsher judgment because you are teaching these children. So, you, these these teenagers, are under the authority of this elder or under this this man. And... They are helping with that, right? Not not leading being the leader. They are not they leading. Are, right. They, they cannot are, lead yet. They they are assisting, and and so I I'm glad we clarified that because I, I don't want people to hear us saying that oh the youth can't help with the kids. That's that's not at all what we're saying. It's the youth can help with the kids, and and be that that good influence, that positive influence of someone that those kids can look up to. Be the get poured into while also help pouring into into the younger kids having that accountability having that that person that's in charge just I, I, as the spiritual as head as the spiritual head yes yeah. you're helping they are leading right and as you get older you are learning from that to where now you take that leadership position in your wife your wife helps you so real quick let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11 when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So th- this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. And again, referencing Timothy. It doesn't say Timothy's age, but looking at Jewish culture, Jewish tradition, he he was probably not a teenager. He was probably within that not quite rabbi age. Rabbi would be age 30. So he was probably within that that 20s, 22, late 20 age. So he had that knowledge. Again, it when Paul is referencing Timothy, he is referencing his mother and his grandparents, this teaching and this, this richness of scripture that they were pouring into him. And Timothy was very knowledgeable and he had the spirit. Um, this And again, this isn't talking about your your 15 16 year olds right and and again i want to differentiate that difference well and let's look at 
Let's look at the difference between a 15 or 16 year old in that time and a 15 or 16 year old now. Yeah, I mean, you look that at the very we- important. You look at at our culture today, and and this has been gone. This is going on for you know, really probably since the well, since the industrialization, since we've taken kids out of the workforce, honestly, where we have prolonged adolescence. Yes, and and we are we're holding kids to a lower standard than we used to. Yes. And 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 some of that's okay because I, I you know there is definitely we know more now scientifically than we used to about the brain development and about how long it does take for the brain to form these form the ability to make reasoned decisions and to make sound decisions like I get that but we've also delayed adolescence to where we don't hold kids accountable for for things like we should and and a sixteen year old today is not the same as a sixteen year old in the twenties. Not the same as sixteen year old in, in the eighteen hundreds, two thousand years ago, or two thousand years ago. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you granted your life expectancy two thousand years ago was probably about thirty five. So, you know, um, you were halfway through your life at the age of fifteen or sixteen a lot of times. But yeah, we just there is a difference between kids today and kids back then. Yeah. Well, and and again, Jewish tradition. When you were thirteen, you were a man, and. Not just you turn 13 and say, hey, congratulations, you're a man now. And then you keep going on with your childish behavior. No. You turn 13, you had your bar mitzvah, a girl, it's bar mitzvah. And as a boy turning into a man, it's, no, now you are a man, you have these responsibilities. You cannot shirk on these responsibilities because you are a man now. Versus now, we we don't have that. We don't have any any ceremony. We don't have anything saying, okay, at this point, you are now a man. And and, and that is a, a question, men, I want to ask of you. At what point in your life did you realize you were a man? And and it, it is different. It is different. And especially talking to secular men, talking about talking to unbelievers, when you ask, when do you, do you think you were a man? It was like, oh, well, first time I had sex, or when I moved out, or ju- just these different things. No one can really come to a conclusion of, well, this is when I became a man. Right. It's and subjective. It's it is. It becomes subjective. And scripturally, there is not just one thing. From my understanding of scripture, there's not just one thing that says, at this point, you hit it and you're a man now. It's it's several things. And again, we're going to be talking about a lot of it, but it's it is moving out. It is becoming dependent on yourself, not being dependent on your mother and father. It is when you get married, saying, leaving your parents and holding fast to your wife, looking at yeah Genesis when God took the rib out of Adam and fashioned Eve. Adam was missing a part of him. And when him and Eve were together, he was a whole man. When Men, when you are married, when you be, become one with your wife, that physical scripture talks about becoming one flesh, you are now a whole man. Now that's not saying that's not saying Brad, you're not a whole man. It, it's different. It is again. We have Christ, but you desire it. You right. want it. You want that wife, and that's knit into us. That is knit into us. It is biblical. We want that other half, that part of us that we need. So, and, and again, talking about that that ceremony, basically, where at what point did you realize you were a man? And especially in the West, we don't have that. Men today are not able to look back and say, oh, yeah, yeah, that was the day I remember. I mean, I think you hit it on the head 
with what the typical answer would be, especially from a non-Christian perspective, it's sex. Yeah, I mean that that is that is how we judge. I mean, you, you see it on you see it on television shows, movies, all this and this and the other, where my son became a man today. He he had sex or whatever. You know. Yep. You know. I think that is kind of our measure for it right now for so because of again how hypersexualized we've become in this culture i think that's become the measure uh, that, that the world uses yeah yeah i really do so yeah shifting this um i'm gonna be stepping on some toes here looking at first corinthians when he's saying when i was a child i acted like a child i thought as a child i am not a child anymore therefore i do not act as a child men we have to have that in our minds Constantly. And, um, well, all right. So here it is. So looking at some men in their 20s, 30s, they're meant to be men now. Either they have a family or they are living for Christ. They are devoted to Christ. What are things that you get together and do? Men in their, their 30s and 20s, they get together and they're playing video games. They're, they're playing these games that they would play as children. And now let me, let me caveat that. I'm not saying video games are evil. I'm saying that if you are allowing these things to take precedent over God, it is wrong. Going, moving from moderation to excess. Yes. Yeah. As I said, with working and, and public school and stuff, to the detriment of your spiritual life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's filling your time with things that have nothing to do with God. Men, as you grow deeper in your faith, you need to be looking at that you need to be looking at it through that lens of what am I doing and is that bringing glory to God? Well, if you're sitting in front of a screen playing video games, is that bringing glory to God? And the answer is probably not. If you're you're sitting there watching a movie, that is probably not bringing glory to God. Now, again, not saying that watching a movie is wrong. That it, it is okay to watch a movie every once in a while, but it needs to be in moderation. If you're, as a Christian, and again, this is going to step on toes, but if you're sitting and binge watching series, episode after episode after episode, that is wrong. And this is why. Because you are filling your mind with things that are not of God. And, and, and again, that's not saying that you're watching shows that are sinful and ungodly. That's just, that is not bringing glory to God. And that is because when we are talking about loving the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. If you are filling your mind with the these TV shows, if you're filling your mind with these video games, and, and again, these are just examples, there are so many other things. How are you filling your mind, loving the Lord with all your mind, but you're filling it with that? Right. And loving the, loving the Lord with all your heart, what are you filling your heart with? And again, I I am not trying to hurt people. I'm not. I, I just want you guys to start thinking of it in this way. Be, be aware. Be yes. aware of how you're spending your time. I mean, obviously, there is biblical precedent for a day of rest. Yes. There's obviously biblical precedent for just, man, I need to take some time to recharge. But that, that, but that's also not saying mindlessness. Also true. Yes. Also true. And but resting in the Lord, resting in His might. Right. And, and again, going back to, I'm not saying video games are evil, I'm not saying... Movies are evil. It is okay to sit down and watch one every once in a while. Absolutely. To, to play, I, I have a Nintendo 64. Yeah. Granted, I have not played it in six years. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he's got like 37 kids, so. That's it. I don't have time. <laughs> and, and, but, and that goes back to. Yeah. Where are your priorities? Because, I mean, ultimately, if, if you wanted to, you could, in theory, 
set up, set down there and, and just play for hours and just ignore your kids. I mean, that, yeah. that could absolutely be a thing and is a thing people do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, obviously, your priority is your family and your walk yeah. with the Lord. And that's what you're going to prioritize. Can you squeeze in a, 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 a little bit of gaming time here and there? Probably. And, that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Again, it, it, I think it's okay for a, a, a season of, not a season, but you know what I mean? Like a, in moderation, just, hey, I want to take my mind off some stuff and just get, you know, play for a little bit. It's, it's yeah. not, not a big deal. And yeah, and again, um, it's, it's, it's not evil. It's not. But again, it's, is it to the detriment of your spiritual life and of your family? Yeah. And, and again, going back to what are you filling your mind with? Deuteronomy chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. This is what I am talking about. And again, I have a Nintendo 64. I have all the super cool games, the Mario Kart, Smash Brothers, Goldeneye, stuff like that. But I will not let my children play those. Maybe when we they get older, that's fine. But I am not going to sit there, let them play it. I'm not going to play it. Why? Because I am going to be so intentional with my time with them to teach them scripture. When we walk, by the way, when we sit in their house, when we rise, when we f- go to sleep, we are talking about these truths all of the time. And... I have gotten to the point in my life where there is no room for that. I mean, we we let them watch movies. I, I'm not. We're not keeping them from that. Uh, again, they love the uh, the turbo and oh, yeah. the <laughs> the uh, the minions, minions and stuff like that. Minions rock, and it, and that's okay. It is, but as the man, there is there uh, there is no time for that. I I do not have time for that because I am I want to be. Again, let me caveat that. I'm I'm not perfect. I am working on it. I see the need for this, so I am trying as hard as I can to fill my time with that. I am the spiritual leader of my household. Therefore, I am trying to lead my children, lead my wife the best that I know I can. And so, men, it, it's hard to say that, but we've lost true manhood. We have, especially in the West, we have lost true manhood. We we don't have men in the West. We don't. I am trying to become one. I am trying to become a biblical man. I am trying... We're we're doing this so that we can wake men up. And ourselves. And ourselves. And ourselves up. And ourselves, because yeah. I am speaking to myself. I am. I am not up here on a soapbox saying I'm perfect. What I have here are things that God has awoken me to. And using men like Paul Washer, using men like John MacArthur, Alistair Begg, um using these men to say, Austin, you need to wake up. You are not being the man that I want you to be. And that is what I am trying to allude to. Men, you are not being the man that God wants you to be. You're not, plain and simple. And I can say that with 100% assurity. But because it goes to the, yeah, we're not perfect. God, we are striving to be. But just because you know that you can't be perfect does not mean you cannot and should not strive for it. We have to be striving for that. So, as boys, just hanging out with boys, not having that that man that is able to structure that foolishness, basically. 
Most boys spent more time with other boys than with their own fathers. After so much time in the public school system on other, or other outlets, you spent so much time with your friends that it was almost like your father, your mother, and your siblings just got in the way. You were in the house long enough to eat, sleep, then you were off to be with your friends. And again, not saying that having friends is wrong. I'm not saying that. It is, we were, were so consumed with the mentality of having to be with our own age, having to be with friends that are our peers, that we have lost that mentality of we have to have that lead, lead that leadership, having that man to help temper that foolishness. We have to have a wise man to temper the foolishness. And it it's the same now that we're older. Even those boys who grew up and have families of their own, what are they doing? They're still going off. They're leaving their wives. They're leaving their children. They're, they're going out acting like children with other foolish men. That mentality of, oh, I have a family now, but yeah, I I can leave and I can I can go off whenever I want. I can go to the bar. I can hang out with the guys. I can go play pool. And again, not saying that hanging out with your friends is wrong, but it's what are you doing? When you go out with your group of buddies, Are is what you're doing giving glory to God? And that's, that's not, oh yeah, we're, we're playing video games, but we're talking about God. No, 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 no. There is a semblance of, good there. I mean, it's great to be able to talk about God. But is it intentional or is it just because? There's a difference between talking about God versus being in the Word and discussing biblical truths. The the way I look at it is this is destructing our civilization. The removal of the nuclear family. Scripture says that fathers are supposed to be the greatest influence of their sons and daughters in every form and every fashion. Dads are supposed to show their sons how to grow up and what they are to be when they grow up, and then they are to show their daughters who they look for in a spouse. Yes, you you want them to marry. You want them to want to marry someone like you with your leadership qualities, with your spiritual discipline, and you want your son to grow up to be the same way you are and and be spiritually disciplined the way you are. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll pause here. We're, we'll we'll pick it up next Thursday because there there is so much. Again, this is going to be several weeks, and please bear with us. The this is this is a framework leading into biblical manhood and everything that it entails. So so bear with us, and men, I want to leave you with this mentality: we are built and we are created for war. In the beginning, we were meant for perfection. We were God created Adam to be perfect. But in this sinful age, he has tempered us to be prepared for war. And if you are a weak man, if you are not biblically sound, you you are not prepared and you are not ready for this battle. Um, there is, there's a song uh, by Stephen Curtis Chapman that... Uh, this I, is the great adventure. That's, that's one of his good ones. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Uh, I, I want to look at some lyrics from, from his song. Uh, it's called Bring It On. And I, I, I'm going to read through it real quick and just talk about it for a second. We do not own the rights to these lyrics. We do not own the rights to these, these lyrics. I actually met Stephen Curtis Chapman. He's super cool. He signed my ukulele. 
nice. It, it's, it's whatever. He's a nice guy. I've met him a couple times. He's he's short. It, if wow, in a good way. Stephen Chris Chapman, if you're ever listening, to this, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I was. It was. It was so cool. I was a kid and got to meet him when I was like nine or ten. And he was like the nicest guy in the world. It was one of those times where you meet someone you look up to and you're like, oh, this this, this lived up to that. This it is, was yeah. it was awesome. So Stephen, if you're listening, you're awesome. Yeah, we appreciate you. So, <laughs> at looking at this song, I'll, I'll read through it really quick. I didn't come looking for trouble. I don't want to fight needlessly, but I'm not gonna hide in a bubble. If trouble comes for me, I can feel my heart beating faster. I can tell something's coming down, but if it's going to make me grow stronger, bring it on. Let the lightning flash. Let the thunder roll. Let the storm winds blow. Bring it on. Let the trouble come. Let the hard rain fall. Let it make me strong. Bring it on. Now, maybe you're thinking I'm crazy and maybe I need to explain some things because I know I've got an enemy waiting who wants to bring me pain. But what he never seems to remember, what he means for evil, God works for good. So I will not retreat or surrender. Now, I don't want to sound like some hero, because it's God alone that my hope is in. But I'm not going to run from the very things that would drive me closer to him. So bring it on. As men, we have to have that mentality of bring it on. We are built for war. We are meant to fight these things. And we have to have that mentality. Now, there is also a warning that comes with that. Stephen Curtis Chapman wrote this song, and this album came out. Seven years later, he had a child die. Um, if, you don't, if you don't know that, it, look it up. It, it just It's heart-wrenching. The warning for that is, when you say bring it on, Satan will. But we have to have that assurance. We have to have that confidence in whom we are fighting with and who we're fighting for. So, men, we are created and we are meant for spiritual battle. So, bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah. So, we will continue this for the next several weeks. And again, like like Brad said, uh, next Tuesday, we'll we'll kind of get into... We'll take a break from Romans. We're going to get into a couple more things that we, we've been wanting to get into. Yeah. So give us a little bit more leeway since we're in biblical manhood on Thursdays. Tuesdays, we'll, we'll do a couple more topics. But yeah, thank, thank you guys for listening and uh, stay rooted. Stay rooted, guys. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to our show. If you enjoyed what you heard, like, subscribe, and leave a five-star review. You can find us on Apple, Google, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram at Rooted in Logos Pod, or even on our website, www.rootedinlogospod.com. And if you want to support us financially, visit us at patreon.com slash rooted in Logos.